<laughs> hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to talk about closets? Boy, do I. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Closets. My name is Phil. And I'm Senda. And what we like to do on this show is uh, we talk about both uh, regular closets and walk-in closets. Yes. So I'm going to be talking about regular closets because I specialize in the organization of a standard closet. And Phil is going to be talking about walk-in closets. (laughs) Absolutely. I love walk-in closets. (laughs) You're so good. You actually, like, have them and complete them. (laughs) I do. I do. I have, I've, uh, over the years, I've had a number of walk-in closets. Yep. Um, Some of my favorites um, have been uh, the ones with islands in the middle. Right. I particularly like those. Right. Very good. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally down with, uh, I'm totally down with closet organization. So, um, Senda, to get to our first uh, question about uh, closet organization, we this one came in by Twitter, and the question was, are you cool with two rows of for hanging clothes, or do you just like your hangers to go across the top? Well, and, and I have a mixed response to this, so I, I can only speak to my current closet situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for my personal closet experience right now, um, I actually have both in my closet. And I have both because, um, you know, I like dresses, and dresses are sometimes very long, And so I have um, a section of my closet which is long and has one bar for the hanging of long things like dresses. And then along the bottom, it still leaves me a little bit of space for like shoes and boots and stuff, right? And then it's divided, in fact, by a shelf divider for better use of the storage space in the split area. And then the other side is, in fact, split into two because shirts and sweaters only hang about halfway and skirts only hang about halfway, right? So um, so my answer is actually both because of that split. I really, um, it's a requirement for me, but I, I think that tends to be also because of the kinds of clothing that I, in particular, am storing. Like, how do you feel about, you know, having both or one or the other for walk-ins for your purposes. So, so for me, if we're talking about strictly closets for my use, um, I can't actually use the two-layer ones because my shirts and my pants are actually too long. Right. So, like they, if you use like the middle rod, my stuff is on the floor. Oh yeah, it's so, problematic. Yeah. So I'm um, I'm strictly a uh, I'm strictly a bar across the top but for things like shirts mm-hmm. I can go with uh some dividers and some uh cubic storage around the um like the 2 third mark right so like along the bottom so place for like extra shoe like for shoes and uh and things like that right so it doesn't have to go all the way floor length like my dress section has to go all the way floor length pretty much correct yeah cuz maxis are a thing but yeah, mm-hmm. so that gives you like bottom storage space. Yep. That's good. Yeah. Uh yeah, um our uh our next uh question uh also from Twitter uh from uh Blake Ryan Batman. What kind of hangers uh do you prefer uh in your closets? Um wire, plastic or wooden? Oh, see, this is another tricky one because it depends on which of those three sections we're talking about what I prefer. 
I mean, wood is the best, but they're also, you know, the most expensive. So there's, um, there's some cost efficiency balance that happens. So most of mine are plastic because that's sort of my middle range. But I use plastic for the dresses and for the shirts and sweaters. But all of my skirts are on the clippy kind, right? Mm. So that I don't mm-hmm. have to worry about if they have internal hanging methodology. Because, you know, sometimes skirts have ribbons and stuff on the inside. Sometimes sure. they don't. If I made it, it was probably way too lazy for me to put ribbons inside of it to hang it from. Besides, the little clippy ones are just much better for keeping things flat and, like, waistbands nice. Hmm. So Interesting. Yeah, so so the, the, the clippy ones are kind of a big amalgamation, you know, but it doesn't really matter because it's the clips that are key. Pretty much everything else is on plastic. And I will say, I do prefer Ikea for my plastic hangers in general because they're nice and they're solid, but they're also not very expensive. Very, very interesting. I um, I don't think it'll surprise you that my closet is all wooden hangers. It doesn't surprise me at all. Um, <laughs> now, I do have a couple of the wire ones because I do have clippy ones for dress pants. Right. I do, I do like to hang my dress pants um, straight. But for my polos and dress shirts and things like that, um, all of those are on wooden hangers. Actually... I actually have a problem with uh, cheap plastic hangers because, again, because I'm big uh, and sometimes my clothes are kind of heavy. Right. Um, I have, like, with jeans and things like that, I've actually broken yeah. They're like uh, plastic ones. Yeah. Now, the most impressive hanger I have in my entire collection is um, the hanger for my leather jacket. So ah. I have a uh, I have a Harley Davidson bike jacket which is basically leather armor, right? Like it is yeah. it's it's you know it's really like, you know, um it's really like a plus 2 to your armor class <laughs> yes. leather armor kind of thing. Yep. Um that one murdered so many hangers that one day at Target I found an aluminum um, it, it's, it's, so it's like a wire hanger, but it's thick, like a plastic hanger. Yeah. So it is the only hanger that is able to actually support the weight, um, of my leather jacket without like folding, breaking or being sundered. So, um, and I don't wear that leather jacket that much. Um, although I should, it's kind of fun. It's like more of my, I don't know. It's probably my like twenties and thirties right. <laughs> leather jacket, yeah. but <laughs> I can't quite, I can't quite give it up, but uh, it's uh, it does require special hanging because it is uh, kind of a beast in uh, in terms of uh, what will hold it up. Well, and when we talk about uh, jackets that sunder hangers, clearly it must be time for us to uh, end the show. Uh, yeah, so. Um be sure to uh, send us your closet-related questions. Uh, we love to talk about uh, closets. We love to talk about things that you are curious about in our closets. And um, what else can people do if um, if they have our social uh, media? Well, uh, the next time you are taking something out of your closet or putting something into your closet, you can take a picture of you putting that cool thing in your closet and hashtag it closet selfie on the social media of your choice. And we will swing by and like it. Because that's what awesome. we do. Awesome. <laughs> Happy April Fool's Day, everyone. And now, a quick word from one of our sponsors. 
Conjure Hagalaz is a role-playing game about explorers, investigators, and espionage agents in a supernatural fantasy world. Halfway between traditional games and the narrative powered by the Apocalypse games, this is a great ramp-on for those seeking to try out more traditional or more narrative styles of play. Want to play a sorcerer, kitsune, or, or druid? We got them. How about an orc, cryomancer, or satyr? We got those too. As your characters navigate... As your characters investigate the underworld, explore astral space, and undertake espionage on the many moons, you create an interactive story with the other players. Conjure Hagalaz encourages group storytelling in the fantasy world Verkurta via the Fate Weave, a way to link character goals, motivations, and life events. Conjure Hagalaz is available now at DriveThruRPG. Come for the sword checks, stay for the astral plane. Bloop. Hey, Phil! Hey, Senda! You want to talk about two years of podcasting? Whoa, is it that time again? Uh Uh-huh. And welcome to another... In fact, the 100th Pandas <laughs> Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And tonight we are celebrating our second anniversary of Pandas Talking Games. So we're on episode 100, which is a pretty exciting thing for us because it means for two years we've been talking about your topics and answering your questions. We've been talking about one shots and we've been talking about campaigns. Uh huh. Um, And it's pretty exciting. I mean, 100 episodes is not trivial in podcast land. Like, no, it's uh, big. I mean, it's not easy to do. I mean, to keep coming up with topics and it's a lot of editing. No, but but it's okay because everybody comes up with topics for us and they're great topics and we love you all. And it keeps us going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. Tonight, we're going to uh, continue with our break from our main format. We're going to answer one question, and mm-hmm. then uh, we're going to reminisce a little bit about some of our favorite episodes from this year and yep. kind of talk about what's coming up for the rest of this year, right? Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to start us off with a question, which AJ asked us a question that was perfect for this episode, which is, have you ever played a character as a player over the age of 100? Yes, time travelers like Doctor Who would count. If so, what was it? And if not, would you? And what would that character look like? Keep up the great work. Looking forward to the next 100 episodes. Thanks, AJ. We are too. (laughs) Yeah. So to not get off too far on a tangent, we actually talked a bit about older and younger characters back on episode 74. So for more information about the challenges of playing older characters and the roles that older characters can provide, jump back to episode 74. They're all up on the website now, and you can give that a listen. Yep. So, so Senda, how about you? Have you ever played a character over the age of 100? Right. I actually had to think about this a little bit because the answer is yes. But never like a human character, right? So I've never played anyone that the age actually affected, really. So I played a lot of elves in my time, because if you want to min-max a rogue character, and you don't want to take the um, penalties for being a halfling, then your next best best option generally is elf. (laughs) Uh So I played a lot of elves, um, and my elves were pretty much always 100 years old or older. 
And the interesting thing about that is that a lot of them, especially early in my gaming career, it was just pretty much a moot point that they were old like that, that they were over 100, right? Because in in human equivalence, it meant that they were like 20, right? <laughs> yeah, and so they not, just it's not they, really 100. <laughs> right, like they just played like they were 20, like which is the standard like... I'm an adventurer, I am a young adult, and I will go out and do these things. And so I didn't, like, I, I don't really feel like that ended up affecting them. I have, you know, as I started to get bored of that, you know, stereotype of elf character, I tried, like, I've I've mushed around with it a little bit as I've done it, like, more recently. Um, I, I discovered that I'm not a really big fan of, like, the aloof know-it-all type of older character who lives forever and just is like, oh, yes, I know everything. I'm like, ah, that's kind of boring, actually. <laughs> or at least it wasn't in, in that particular experience. Um, there's probably a way to do it that was more exciting than how I did it. Um, so my favorite older than 100 years old character was a frankly batshit crazy <laughs> elf um, in a game where, like, she had literally been in a tower studying for the first 200 years of her life and had never stepped foot outside of this tower until she went on this adventure. And so she was very like, oh, like, oh, there's pretty trees and like very kind of Rapunzel just stepping out um, for the first time. And that was great. I mean, that game got crazier on another level because, you know, we decided for that particular world that all elves were trying to figure out their aircraft identity, but um, that's a whole nother story. Yeah, she I was think great. we've talked about that on our <laughs> Crazy Games episode back we in might've. year one. Yeah, we um, might have. Because that but game she was great. That game was legitimately batshit crazy. <laughs> it even, was awesome. I mean, even for me who likes a little zany in my game. I don't even know if I could pull off the air the aircraft identity. And I think I even helped you pick the aircraft. You did. It was an Osprey something. Yeah. It was great. I mean, we ran into another elf who identified as a helicopter. And we had this weird, like, little conversation where this old, old elf gave me, like, this life advice moment. And then, like, started making helicopter noises and flew off into the night. It was like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that could sustain. I don't know if that could hold me in a game. I think I might have just been like, no, damn it. No, no, no. <laughs> anyway, so that was my favorite character who was over 100. Um, and I, the aspect of her that I really liked was the part where she literally knew nothing. Like she had read everything, right? She had read about everything, but her knowledge was slightly outdated. So every time a role failed, like for her to communicate with, uh, you know, someone she didn't know the language to and was trying to roll for it or something, it was like, oh, well, I'm speaking ancient such as dwarven or whatever, instead of like modern. And so it was like this, this great, like, no, no world wise at all. Like my intelligence was like 18 and my wisdom was like eight or something. Nice. Great. Nice. Anyway, sorry. That was my favorite over 100 character. How about you? Uh, so I, you know, I don't actually, I shouldn't say I, I play more now than I, uh, I have in the past. So in my recent times, I have not had an opportunity to play a character over a hundred, but as a GM, uh, I have gotten to play a number of NPCs, um, over a hundred, the most in one campaign being, uh, my vampire game in the late nineties, where, 
a good a good portion of the vampires of Buffalo were over a hundred. So I actually got to really dig in uh, on a couple of them. So some of them were more background characters, and then a handful of them were uh, more prominent, uh, like major NPCs. And I really got to kind of dig in uh, to what it was like to play characters that old, which was actually fun because uh, since we were playing in Buffalo and Buffalo has a lot of historic architecture. And for those who don't know, like when, when, so for people who are like Buffalo, Oh, that's the place where it snows. Um, <laughs> well, that, it, well, it does, but and also wings. <laughs> yeah. And also wings, right. Correct. But what uh, people often don't know about Buffalo is that in the early 1900s, it was one of the most prominent and largest cities in the U.S. Uh, because it was one of the first cities with electrical power because of the falls. Uh, yeah. And it was the host of the Pan Am Games and and all those things. And so to have vampires that were that old, they were around during those, like the heyday of uh, of Buffalo. And so getting to play that juxtaposition of them remembering what it was like, you know, when they were like the first city with lights at night compared to, if we're talking about the 90s, this is like Buffalo's just coming out of the kind of recession downturn or whatever that had been like a slow burn from the seventies into the eighties when steel left Buffalo and all that stuff. And kind of before the two thousands where Buffalo kind of actually really started, like has started to really um, perk up again. So it was really interesting because, you know, here are these vampires that, you know, in their time were these like incredibly wealthy socialites and stuff like that. And they're still wealthy, but the city is not what it, you know, what it was like, you know, the um, row of mansions that lead into the city are now like, you know, sold and owned by private schools and the Red Cross and things like that. They're no longer like actual people's mansions. And um, so for those vampires, it was really interesting. It was fun to play that, that kind of memory, that historical memory, like, it's not that they're aware of City Hall. Like, they were there when City Hall was built, right? Like, yeah. some of them played a role in, you know, in steering Frank Lloyd Wright and such to build things in Buffalo. So, that was it was actually um, a lot of fun. And then the other character that I played that was even way older than that was uh, in Conspiracy X. I had this alien... And it, the particular alien race in the game was Atlantean, which the Atlanteans are like nearly godlike creatures. And the Atlantean had been around for like hundreds of years uh, and had, you know, at times just, you know, laid dormant and witnessed uh, history. And at other times had kind of gently nudged history along when uh, when he felt like it. I say he, but gender is kind of a fluid thing for Atlanteans. Atlanteans can kind of alter their bodies and things like that. But uh, most often showed up as a he in the game. You know, the Atlanteans' memory was so vast and its history was, you know, so far back that it would often make jokes about, you know, being present at different parts uh, in different places and time and things like that. And that was that was fun. I just that character came and went because it was way too powerful to leave as a reoccurring NPC. Like the Atlantean shows up, 
meddles with something and then disappears for, you know, half a season, then shows up again kind of thing. So, well, and that's also seems like the kind of character you could never really have as a PC, right? Oh, no, no, right? no. Because no. they have to be able to just be all knowing and all powerful. Oh, all yeah. The time. yeah. Yeah. And they're so like all powerful that it's, um, like it's not even it, it, it even as an npc it's the kind of npc that as a gm you're like okay i gotta use this thing sparingly otherwise the players just get pissed off right I, because they can't do anything you literally can't do anything when the atlantean is meddling like you yeah. basically and a lot of the times you know the atlantean would basically just nudge the players into doing stuff for him right which you know then the players despise when they find out they've been manipulated right but, you know, what are you going to do with like a, you know, 400 year old godlike alien? So the thing is that much like you, I never have played a character where uh, age was a, for lack of a better term, a limitation, right? Like you played elves and elves were, you know, like they're basically in their 20s at 100 and vampires don't age and Atlanteans are like immortal. So like, even though they were really old, they were never frail physically. Right. You know, or maybe not all, maybe not as sharp mentally. Like they were like all of the characters I played, and I think the characters you played, other than that batshit crazy elf. Um, no, she was really smart. She just never, ever, ever had been out of the tower, ever. Yes. So, <laughs> um, but I think that there's, um, but I think to go back to AJ's question, I think there's a really interesting a role-playing opportunity to play characters that are significantly older that have those kinds of challenges. And, and, and in thinking about it, like as if we were kind of just noodling around, I kind of thought what would be cool, and we, you know, we talked about this a little bit before the show, is that you could do something like a compliment to the genre that I think is now becoming called uh, kids on bikes uh, yeah. games. So uh, this is like Tales from the Loop and Bubble Gumshoe and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. But instead, it could be like grandparents and walkers. Yep. Right. Like this would be like games where um, mysteries were solved by significantly older people instead of significantly younger people. Yeah. And I think that I think that if you really look carefully, you can see some parallels where kids and elderly people have some of the same challenges that where this genre could kind of play off of that kids on bikes thing. Right. Right. Like, I think you could you could hack it pretty easily because it's it's like um, a lot of times when you get folks who are very elderly, like especially when they're living in nursing homes or something, you know, people of average age don't necessarily take them very seriously, which is the same as when we're dealing with kids. When the kids come running in and say, I saw a ghost. You're like, uh-huh, okay. When your grandma comes running in and says, I saw a ghost, you're like, uh-huh, okay. Yeah. Right? Or, you know, your grandma's like, uh, you know, that guy, he steals from everyone. And you're like, oh, right. and you're like, okay. Okay, like, grandma. Okay, right? grandma. I don't yeah. think that guy's taking something from everyone. Right. Right. Like, it's just that same thing, right? And then they, they, they also don't have all the same freedoms. They're limited. They may be limited in their, in their actual mobility, uh, in comparison to what we think of as like someone with standard um, average age mobility. Um, but it's also an age in which we, you know, we start to expect things like you probably don't have a driver's license anymore. So you're just like a kid. Like, how are you going to get around to these places? Yeah. 
you might not be allowed to just freely leave the retirement home that you're yeah, in. You may not be. You really, you know, and that's a that's a thing because they got to keep track of you, especially if it's the kind of place that also has, you know, folks who have um, Alzheimer's or, or, or those kind of, yes. you know, um, memory related issues. Yep, right. Absolutely. So they have to keep track of everybody. Right. And and but at the same time, they also have fewer actual responsibilities that they're trying to manage on a day-to-day basis, right? So by the time you're in a home, someone is taking care of feeding you. And someone is taking care of, like, making your bed, like, putting clean sheets yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, like, even most of your bills are kind of covered. Like, right. it, it, you really, and you probably have, you know, you probably have somebody like children or uh, a nephew or something like that that's kind of handling your, you know, like making sure you get to yeah. the doctor and you're, you know, making right. sure your prescription gets there. And probably handling things like your money to make sure that it's paid for for you to stay at the home or whatever like that. Yeah. So you're you're not you're not tracking all of that stuff really so much. Like I watched my dad do it for my grandmother. You know, uh, yeah. like he, he was taking care of her money for 10, 15, maybe 20 years before she died. Like, yeah, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, it sounds, you know, wonderful. Like, it's, yeah, it like, sounds great. I can't wait. <laughs> so I think, though, while there are some similarities between the elderly and, uh, and and kids, there are also some more unique challenges for the elderly where they're a little different uh, than kids. Right. So I think in general, we tend to see them use technology less, especially things that are like the newer and shinier that it is, the less we have an expectation that they're just going to know it or that sitting down, they will be able to figure it out the same way that, you know, kids who grew up with a generation of computers and iPhones can like my son is never going to have a problem figuring out how to use a touchscreen. Right. Like that's not a thing. Um, Right. Right, but if you have, if, you know, there's a but, um, just to poke fun at this, and and of course, let's just be clear, there are plenty of right. senior we're citizens ge- and octogenarians who are completely computer and techno savvy. We, we are generalizing so much. Yeah, we're generalizing. Please so much. forgive us. But yeah. there is there is actually on YouTube this really funny SNL skit about the um, Alexa for for the elderly. And uh, (laughs) I just like you have to go look it up. Just go look it up on YouTube. It is one of I die laughing every time I watch it. It's so funny. Um, It you know it answers to like a multitude of different names because you know (laughs) you know like Allegra Allegra. What temperature is it outside? Right, it just answers anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 really funny. Um, So yeah, absolutely. Technology can certainly be uh, a challenge for for you know. The older generation. And, and and then the secondary one there is that another generalization, of course, but um, I would say they generally lack the physical robustness of a kiddo, right? Yeah, so that's going to be a real challenge. Like, I mean, that's a, right. that's a design challenge, right? Because with, with kids on bikes, the, right. I, you know, the idea is like the kid can climb a tree. The kid can ride a bike right. across, you, you know, like a, a couple miles. You can, you can, you can jump in a bush and hide. You can, you know, splash around in a stream. You can, you can fall down. Yeah, you can fall down, and you're gonna get back up, and your knee might be scratched, and you're gonna be okay. Yeah, and that's right? not gonna be the case, right? Like, yeah. if we're modeling this in a game, like we're gonna have to be a little more careful because that's not quite um, right. what's you gonna fall happen. down. 
and like you might break a hip or something and that's that's drastic right like that's not something you'd walk off right yeah um i actually think that this is a pretty fascinating idea this idea of grandparents and walkers right as <laughs> i know as kind of the analogy you know the the compliment to kids on bikes like you know grandparents and walkers or grandparents and scooters because maybe they were in scooters you know, yeah. yeah, that might be the solution to the to the to the mobility issue. Yeah, so I, I like I think this actually would be um a fairly interesting I, I don't even want to say fairly interesting. I actually think this would be a really interesting um game to play like in a one shot. Oh, I think it would be wonderful. You know what it makes me think of, and now I can't remember the name of it. There's a an old British comedy that's like it's it's in a retirement home. And it's basically about how they all kind of start acting like teenagers again, and they're like all oh, sleeping together I mean, and like all of that I kind was of just, stuff. I was, it was like, I, I was gonna say, like, listen, the other part of this that would be really interesting, relationship map wise, uh huh. If you read articles about <laughs> retirement homes, like, it's kind of hookup land, right? Like, old There's people no don't consequences get consequences anymore, right? Like, right? like yeah. <laughs> Like menopause is already passed, so you know, like, oh, people Whatever. are getting their freak on, like, <laughs> and like more power to you. But like, so I get this little image of like, you know, some somebody like driving their scooter down the street, and like their like significant other, like the person they just started dating, like sitting off the back of their scooter, going like, "Wee!" <laughs> it's just adorable. <laughs> I mean, I love and this idea of go solve solving mysteries. Mur- yeah, they're like solving yeah. mysteries, and it's great. I mean, I yeah. you know, like my uh, you know, I know my I know my character. Like his tagline will be like, "I don't know about that." <laughs> you know, somebody tried to explain something to him, like, nah, I, don't, "I don't know about that." Just, that actually comes from that SNL skit. It's like too funny. Um, but but I actually think this would be pretty interesting. So like if we were going to hack this for Tales from the Loop. Now we both play Tales from the Loop. So I was thinking yes. about this, right? Like yep, yep. there're just a couple things that you um there's a couple things you have to hack. Like the first thing you have to hack is luck points because right. in the game luck points is a function of so luck points and skill points are tied together and the younger you are, you get yep. less skill points but more luck. You're luckier. Yep. I think I think, I think it reverses. It, it reverses, right? Yes. Because I think the older you are, yep. you get more luck points because yes. for God's you, sakes you're going to need them, right? Right. And well, and like and you can get away with so much. Right. And you have less skills because like you've kind of like yeah. things are atrophy, like you're forgetting things and Yeah, you you know, you're you 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 may not have the steady fingers you once had or there may be arthritis involved or You're not really yeah. as good at driving as, you know, now that's an advantage you have over like over the kids on bikes is like you can go steal a car. Oh, in your Tales from a Loop game, did you not steal cars? Because we totally did. No, we mine totally said, had. Mine said in Sweden they ride bikes everywhere. Right. Well, but we had we had the kid who had the um. Oh the, yeah. What call him? I don't know. He stole cars. Do you have like the Jimmy to pop open? Yeah. All right, so all right, so let's back anyway. up. Let's so skill points and luck we're going to reverse. I like that. Yeah, so the older you are, the fewer skill points you get, but the luckier right. you are. 
Yeah. Uh, conditions, I think I'm going to change the names of the conditions. The condition yes. system works fine, but yeah. I think I'm going to, you know, have conditions like tired. Yep. Right? Like <sighs> cranky. Cranky. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yep. I And some of the other ones I probably keep the same. Like broken is, I think, the last one, and that probably right. is still That's true. That's still accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. And then, you know, of course, you got to change the playbooks. Um, yes. <laughs> right? Because each one of them has to be like, you know, like there has to be like, um, there has to be like the iconic grandmother, right? Like right. the super lovey. Um, right. The Mrs. Piggle Wiggle. Yeah. The, um, I think there's the old blue collar worker. Like yeah. he worked on a factory line. Like he's still pretty tough. Right. right? Like, like he's old, but he's kind of tough. Um. I think there's the old sports star, like right. the person that like, like when, when you start going around, you're like, yeah, but in like the 1940, whatever Olympics, like he was like, a, you know, a medal winning Alpine skier. Right. But you <laughs> like totally can't tell that right. By looking at him. Well, um, I think you, you also need the, like, you also need like the author, like the murder she wrote. Oh yes. You're going to yes. need, yes, you're, <laughs> yes, you're, um, your doctor, um, what's his face? The one that Dick Dan- Van Dyke plays in uh, Diagnosis Murder, right? So you need, yeah, you're going to need the right. mystery person. Yep. Oh, oh, I think you got to have, you could have retired law enforcement. Yeah. Because that would be another one, right? Like yep. somebody who was on the job. And uh, what's the other one I was just thinking about that would be hilarious? Um, oh, Sorry. oh, of course, hippie. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, you got to have the aging hippie. Aging That's hippie, amazing. right? Yes. Aging, aging hippie has like under their possessions like <laughs> weed. Uh-huh. Right? They've got like, like a hidden. Grateful Dead album. Yep. Like, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, I know anyway. the last the last playbook. The yes, last, the last playbook, playbook is the athlete, like not the former athlete, but the person who's like, I walk like two miles a day, like, right. you know. I, you know, I work, like, I work out, I do yoga, like, like the super fit. The one who looks real, like, way younger than everybody else still. Yeah. 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 He's old, but he's like, you know, I just power walked around the building, like. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. I want to make this game now. And then they can do things like trade desserts for information and stuff. (laughs) I mean... Anyway, this would be a fantastic one shot, but we should do the rest of the show. We should. We should. We should. AJ, thank you so much uh, for the uh, question. Um, little did you know it was going to spawn a whole game design as we. Uh, yeah, we're going to hack Tales from the Loop. going to be Tales from the Loop, but like all the average age to young people work for the loop and all the old people are like, what are they doing? Tales from the Silver Loop. Oh, well done. (laughs) And with that, let's talk about favorite episodes from this past year. Uh So we wanted to look back at this year and talk about a couple of our favorite episodes. And we're just going to go back and forth with them. So, Phil, why don't you start us off? Yeah, um, one of my favorites, uh, and we did it not too long ago, was uh, episode 91, Social Issues versus Escapism. Yeah. That one was uh, based on a question about what's the role of role-playing games uh, in tackling social issues versus why don't we just you know play role-playing games to escape. And um, I like this one because, one, I like role-playing games for both of these things. Right. Um, 
I like it for escapism at times, and I like it at times for addressing social issues. And I thought we had a really good, um, we just had a really good discussion about it. And I don't think there's, you know, one right answer to that. I think that um, role-playing games can actually occupy both of those things. Right. My favorite ones are the ones that do both at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. If possible. I mean, yeah. There it is. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's really funny because I just noticed you listed yours from most recent to least recent and I listed mine from least recent to most recent. So well, I, I went on the web page. I went on the web page and went backwards. Yeah, I don't know how I managed it quite. Anyway, um, so the first one that I have listed is, it's episode 54, so it was very near the beginning of this year of Mm -hmm. of episodes, and it was the episode we did on collaborative versus directed games, and I really liked that one because I felt like we did a lot of really good things with language in terms of getting very specific about shared narrative and GMing style in terms of feel of game and like what a game is supposed to do and being able to to kind of label games so that you would know what you were getting into as either collaborative or like a directed game, right? So I thought that was a cool thing. That was a good one for us to talk about. I think that topic just came from the depths of your brain. I don't think that was a question. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. It's also been like a year, so I don't know. It's been really like a remember. year. I think someone I think someone actually prompted us. I oh. want to say Lavalle. Well then prompted Well then us. I'm terribly sorry for forgetting because it was a fantastic yeah. one yeah it was very good it's a very good yeah. uh, one uh yeah. my next favorite was episode 78 edge play mm-hmm. uh this is where we talked about what happens when kind of like edgy things start to come up in your game like topics of racism and sexism and things like that which you know also borders on safety of course, yep. because yep. when we talk about things that are edgy, we do need to talk about being safe, which, of course, means it's something I'm interested in. But I'm also, you know, like I, I also found that discussion really interesting because there is a way to do edgier topics in games in ways that are safe and thoughtful and done in the correct context of the yes. game that you're playing. Not, yeah. you know, not in a gratuitous way, but you know, in a way that is meaningful. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and then I think we also, you know, we also talked about cases where it's not that, where it's for shock value or gratuitous and the ways to kind of combat that yeah. um, if it rises up. Because sometimes people like, sometimes people want to get edgy just for the shock value as opposed to, uh, as opposed to doing it in a meaningful context. And there are differences and there are, you know, you do have to be responsible. Like those are things that people have to be responsible about. So I dug that. I I dug our conversation on that. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was a really it was a really good episode too. <laughs> I mean, how do we really pick? These are sort of random, right? I mean, well, I, I picked ones that like resonated with me. I like mean, I went through yeah. and looked, and I was like, oh, that was like that was a good one. It, I mean, me too. But like, also, there were a lot of episodes last year, and. Well, we there were, you know, like 50 three. something up, ep- 50 something episodes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I like them all, but they're certain, all my babies. Certain, yeah, certain, <laughs> certain topics resonate. Certain topics resonate more than others. Right. So the next one that I picked out was actually um, episode 77. So that was uh, Bagels and Lax GMs because strict, I'm on, in charge of naming the uh-huh, episodes these on, days. <laughs> on strict versus lax, lax GMing. Yes. Um, which I thought was very cool because again, so it's interesting because a lot of the ones that stick out to me are the ones where we, um, kind of really created frameworks for discussing 
games. And I guess it's a thing that I'm like really have been working through this year because I just posted a bunch of stuff about this on Twitter too, about being able to label and pinpoint the things that I like in games personally so that I can play games that fulfill me personally. And that may be different between me and other people. But basically, the lax versus strict GMs conversation, you know, pinpoints where I tend to fall and where you tend to fall on some of the ways that we GM on some of the theoretical eight ways of which I think we talked about four Um, Uh (laughs) ways that we that we consider ourselves as GMs. And the interesting thing about that is the more that you can pinpoint what you enjoy as a style and what you have as a style, the easier it is to then say, this is a game that I will enjoy running, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was really fun because that's you're right. That's one where we broke that we broke that open because the question was simply like, do you like lack? Are you a lax or are you a strict GM? And it was like, well, well, there's so many things we can talk about here. (laughs) We're going to have to get deeper than just that. Yeah, right. (laughs) I'm like, how do we define lax versus strict for GMing when it is such a like large set of skills, right? Like, yeah, that was I mean, it's a very broad question. I, I I mean, the intent I understood, but it was like, well, if we're going to get into this, like, let's nerd out. We're like, going to nerd out on it. Yeah. we And yeah. we nerded out. We nerded we out. We did. Yep. Uh, the last one on my list is actually the last one on your list. It's which true. is uh, episode 75, Happy Ending, The yep. Denouement. Yep. And I was like, I think you just picked all the episodes with sexy names. Uh, no, I mean, well, I guess <laughs> the last two I did. Um <laughs> No, I think what I really liked about the the denouement, I, I like this episode for two um, for two reasons. Yeah. Uh, number one, I actually like the discussion because we often don't do a good job of denouement versus uh, the climax of a story, right? Like we're really good at the climax, we're shitty at the denouement, right? So, but I think the thing that I really, if I have to say, if there's a thing I love about this episode, uh-huh. is um, there is like there is, and and part of it was intentional. <laughs> And I part know. of it was spontaneous. It there is like this massive double entendre <laughs> that happens like through the whole episode. And and yes, yes, when I wrote the episode, I I I started that way because I did the line about, you know, we're we're better at having sex than we are at cuddling, right? I know like you that was, really you just started it off on that foot and then we're talking about climaxes and happy endings and it just yes, all went which, down there from Downhill right. but there's there. a but there's a moment it, like towards the end of the episode where <laughs> like know. it all clicks into place for me uh-huh. <laughs> and it was totally spontaneous on the mics and I just remember like I I remember I was like <laughs> I, I was trying not to laugh so that I could get the lines out uh-huh. and uh, it was just it was it was fantastic I just I really I had a lot of fun recording that episode that that is the same reason that that episode is on my list <laughs> I mean that and. There is something to be said for remembering to actually have a denouement in your game. And it is something that we don't do very often and is frequently, you know, something that even I don't always time my con games correctly to have. You know, if we're going to cut something out. It's the aftercare, right? It just gets cut. Yeah. And it's not good. You just, you can't, you don't. Aftercare is important, you guys. Yeah. Aftercare is, aftercare is always important. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, like it, it, it was a good topic, but like it also, like I, <laughs> I had a lot of fun, like I was having a lot of fun recording it. Yeah. 
So good. All right. So those are our favorites from this year. Um, obviously, you know, we have other ones. If you want to, by all means, tweet us some of your favorites from the past year. Yeah, we'd um, love to hear them. <laughs> essentially anything from 52 to 99, right, is right. the is the year. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. So where are we going from here? So with Phil mostly recovered from his injury, we're going to actually go back to our normal format. (gasps) Shocking, I know. So that means we're actually going to go back to talking about one shots and campaigns and slash or two points of view, you know, based on the questions that we receive. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's not to say we won't come back and do some question episodes. Um, to be honest, they're a really useful backup for when we're recording around times of conventions and things like that, when we don't have a lot of prep time, right? They're really easy to grab a couple questions and just and just do a show. So we like them for that. And to be honest, I actually liked the format. It's a nice way, like in terms of beats, it's a nice way to break up a lot of one shot and campaign episodes is just to, you know, kick in and just do like, you know, two or three questions. Right. And and also we might do some live recordings. So our convention schedule this year, um, our next two cons that we're going to be hitting and both of us are hitting them are Origins and QCC. And heck, if we're both there and we make Chris drag recording equipment along, we might do some more live stuff. And well, it's easier to do questions like that live. than For news. sure. We're submitting a panel discussion for oh, yeah. Pandas. So if yeah, all we'll goes well, that. we'll we'll record that one so people yeah. will actually get to hear our origins discussion. And last year, Chris was recording episodes for QCC. So whether we're on a panel together or whether we actually just do um, an episode of Pandas live, which we might just do that for fun. Uh, My guess is... QCC might just be Pandas live. I I feel like we can... We can bring a room at QCC. I I liked liked that last year they had uh, the separate room off for recording. Because in the past, it was sometimes like in the common area, which the sound quality was like awful. That's rough. Especially if there's like an epic happening. Oh, brutal. (laughs) Right? But the the side room now for for those, that was actually really good. So, yeah, I think think there'll be a couple lives. Yeah, it'll be good. All right. So, cool. That is our look at our second year. Yeah. So, we are looking forward to starting our third year next week and answering all of your questions hopefully and thank you guys so much for listening it's been awesome and we super duper appreciate all of you hey you you listeners are fantastic uh so many of you have um reached out to us either on twitter or emailed us um, a few people on facebook and things like that so it's like it's super cool that we're not just doing this in a vacuum, like that we're doing topics that you want to hear and that, you know, we're actually kind of getting to know you um, as you are. Yes. Well, you're editing this. Carry on. Anyway, it's um, it's really great. Like we, you know, like I wouldn't know Blake Ryan Batman if it wasn't for the show or Ryan Bolter. Like now Ryan has his own podcast. I know it just started. It's so cool. We're going to be yeah. on it later. Um. Uh, yeah, of which, uh, no surprise, we'll be on it. Um, so, yeah, that's the thing. So, anyway, before we head into the end of the show, Senda, uh, tell everyone about another awesome show in the Misdirected Mark Network. Maybe another one that you actually host. So, She's a Super Geek is the actual play RPG podcast that highlights women as GMs with yours truly. But not me. 
But not his truly. Although I'm on it a lot. You've been on it a lot. <laughs> it's good. You should listen to it. <laughs> there you go. It's good. You should listen to it. That's there. all I That's got. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Say, Senda, where do people reach us out on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community, or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those lovely places, what can they do with that information? Please send us your topics. Uh, your questions have been wonderful, but we are gearing up and getting ready for one shots and campaigns. So if uh, you've been waiting for my arm to heal to ask us that important question about one shots and campaigns now is your time get out on the twitters find us and send us your topic send us Uh, your topic besides sending us topics what is something else people can do uh with our social media information well it's con season it has begun so when you are at a convention or at your home game you should take a picture of you playing that cool game you're about to play with those awesome peeps or you're in the middle of or whatever it is and take a table selfie and you should post it on the social media of your choice and hashtag it table selfie so that we can find it and swing by and like it. Yes. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Mr. Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get all sorts of good things like bonus outtakes, the pre-production show notes, the after show from Misdirected Mark, uh, and some other cool things that uh, we like to put together and do from time to time. And you get access to the awesome Slack Room for Life Slack channel where uh, we all basically hang out and chat uh, among one you know ourselves. And we also like to do patron shoutouts. Um, because our patron levels are a little wacky, I've just been uh, randomly grabbing names from the pile. Um, so we'd like to give a quick shout out to, um, I think this is Eric Meng? Meng? Something like that? The Baron of Night and Snow. Yeah, we're terribly sorry, Eric. This is our, our famous inability to say people's last names. Correct. But we but- still love and appreciate you. <laughs> So, Eric, the Baron of Night and Snow, thank you very much. Yeah, Baron of Night and Snow, that's very poetic, intense. Yes, uh, 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 Rich Ruane, who is, um, one, a fellow gauntleteer, and two, one of the first playtesters of uh, Turning Point. Yes, fantastic. In fact, actually, in the first playtest group of Turning Point. Yep. Um, Thank you very much. Thanks, Rich. And Chelsea Clark, thank you so very much, Chelsea. Yeah. Hey, Senda, I'm not even going to do the thing because we're running so late on time. Uh Uh-huh, you Um, said that last time. What is the thing that people can do that is, um, if they're not supporting the Patreon or can't support the Patreon, of course, which is perfectly fine, what's the thing people can do that's like hugging a panda? Well, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. We check Apple, at least occasionally. We don't check the other ones, so if you leave one there, let us know. But basically, every time you do that, it actually helps new people find the show, and it makes us feel super-duper giddy and happy, and we love you so much. Thank you so much to everybody who has already left a review. Super-duper appreciate it. Panda hugs. Super-duper appreciate it. Super-duper. Duper. So, Phil, show me how you are going to get us ready for year three. Oof, you are right. We definitely got it. Show 
This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> totally unscripted. So but what I'm going to actually do, because it's April Fool's, is I'm going to take that, I'm going to put it at the very beginning of the show, not in the uh-huh. outtime, but at the very beginning. <laughs> oh, that was so good. That was um, that was completely unscripted for people who are now listening in the out in the outtakes. Um, we just realized when the episode was going to drop, and we were yeah. like, "Oh, we need to do pandas talking closet." Right. And because um, yeah, it's the twenty sixth, and next Monday is well, it's the second, but whatever, they'll live. Well, the first is like Sunday, so yeah, yeah, so whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, that's hilarious. Um, uh, happy April Fool's Day, a day late. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I uh, I didn't know what we were going to do to warm up, so I had brought with me this uh, this index card. Uh-huh. Does it have sad things written on it? Uh, no, it has some names. Um, Michelle, Lily, <laughs> Ashley, and Megan. Oh, man, the ditch lilies. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, see, I, um, I was a little rusty on um, all the other band members. Yeah, I'd forgotten them, too, honestly. <laughs> right, so, uh, so Ashley is the bass player. Yes, she is. Uh, she's a tall redhead. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Megan is uh she has dark hair and um she's a little um she's a little mysterious right um she is uh she's actually also um i I don't think a lot of people know this she's actually a genius um in in math actually she's uh, actually like a mathematical prodigy right 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 right. and she but she like went off and her parents were like we support you in you know doing what you love Uh uh-huh yeah um, and, and Michelle was, uh, Michelle's, uh, the lead, um, Michelle's one of the two guitarists. Um, and she's very short. Um, she's Latina. Yep. I think is, uh, if I remember correctly. And of course, Lily, we all know, we all Lily. know Lily. I mean, how can you miss um, Lily? She's the, yep. she's the front woman as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Brad Daniels was uh, the <laughs> former drummer. Yeah. What a Brad. <laughs> I, you know, I actually thought for damn the man that, um, it could be like it could be Brad Daniels Day. Oh my gosh! Is like right? the guy who's not in the cool band anymore, <laughs> right? But like he went on his own. Like after Lily, like after right. Lily dumped him, he went on his own. Because it's the hundredth episode, I thought I would. Uh, yeah, we I had to I would break dig out, out some Ditch Lily's trivia. Ditch Lily trivia, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really funny because um, it's really funny because um. Between their second and third album, uh, Megan actually released a mathematical proof that like upended the world of mathematics, um, and she just did it between writing songs, like right, because she was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it. What's really interesting is that the original, the original part of that proof is actually written in marker on Lily's guitar case. Right. Um, well, cuz she didn't have anything to write she on. She didn't have anything and to write on. And she was in the back of the van. And it was right. it was one of those things where she'd been sitting there and she was tapping things out and it actually yep. like um as she was basically figuring out the new rhythms, she realized this this like mathematical genius idea. Um and but she was doing it, you know, rhythmically with her drumsticks to tap out the numbers. Yeah, it's And then she was uh, like, really "Wait, I need to write this down." <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. That mathematical progression started right. um, as a drum beat. Yes. Um, I, and I forget. Do you remember the name of the song? Do you remember the name of the song she was trying, like they were working on? 
Uh, yeah, it was, um, nope. Oh, I know it. I know it. It was, uh, <laughs> tears, tears and glitter. Oh yeah. It was totally, no, glitter and tears. Glitter and glitter tears. And tears. Yep. That's right. Glitter and tears. Glitter and Sorry. Tears. Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the drum beat for glitter and tears. Yes, it is. The drum beat for yeah. glitter and tears is actually the mathematical equation that she sorted out in the back of the van. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's Megan. Yeah, man. NASA. She's awesome. You know, and then NASA picked it up and you know solved a bunch of their fuel efficiency issues. Yeah, yeah. Little known ditch lily trip. <laughs> Later, we'll talk about how um, while they were uh, in the studio recording, how Megan actually corrected the stock market. But that's like that's like a way longer discussion. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, but she just. Nobody knows all these things about her. She was amazing, but she was also yeah. like kind of, she didn't like to be in the spotlight very much. So it was all very like, eh. <laughs> yeah, she was, I mean, she was very low key about the whole thing. Yeah. Very, uh, very, she was just kind of low key. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Uh, We're in my basement and uh, that's still underground, which is still freezing. Yeah. So recording with Darth Panda tonight. Yes. Lord Panda. Yes. Lord and Lady Panda. <laughs> no, the Death Star will be completed on time. <laughs> no, that's my day job, actually, please. That's my whole date. My day job is literally Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi, right? Like, right, that's true. Except The Emperor is not pleased with your progress. I don't, I don't... You can tell it to him yourself at the project meeting. <laughs> right? <laughs> That is, that is, if if you want to know what project management is, just watch the opening to Return of the Jedi when, when Vader shows up on the Death Star. That is all you need to know about project management. Then do you strangle them? No, you're like, I mean, you're very encouraging. I'm, I'm a nurturing project manager. <laughs> so you want to do a show? Yeah, we should totally do a show. Listen. Yeah. Uh-huh. We have done 99 previous shows. Uh-huh. I don't have a waveform song for the 100th show. I'm a terrible somewhat, person. No, 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 no. Okay. You should okay. be somewhat familiar uh-huh. uh, with the structure of how the show opens. <laughs> and more importantly, how the show ends. You're setting me up to fail. <laughs> now, this could be the episode uh-huh. where we have a smooth, clean opening. It, it, it has happened. And a no mistake ending. It has happened Never both in the same episode. Uh, ever. How do you know? I'm the one who edits. Because uh, ah. I'm here for the I'm here for the raw material. <laughs> I knows. We already sang this one. I know. I know, but that was our fake show. That was the fake show. Yeah, but am I gonna am I gonna edit the other bit in on the fake I don't know, we'll figure it out later. Okay. You're going to weep when you see the time on this episode. I know. Let's I'm watching go. the time. It's very sad. It's fine. Whatever. I'll survive. Bloop. I you know. You're editing this. <laughs> Remember this when you're editing it. I don't want any, I don't want any anime tears for this. Damn it. Bloop. We got to really come out of the, uh, you know, come out of the gate swinging. Show me what you got. <laughs> you're swinging Show me what, what you, Show me what you got. got. Show me what you got. I don't even think we waste any time. I think we just no, bolt out of here. La, 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 all the we've all, I mean, we basically the April Fool's part. Yeah, we basically <laughs> recorded a whole other episode at the beginning of this. So, um, thankfully, say, we kept it to like five or eight minutes. <laughs> uh huh. Say goodbye. Bye. <sighs>